Hello there, you're welcome to another interesting edition of Sports Africana. Wherever you may be listening from across the world, um, this is Sports Africana, where we tend to bring you stories, information that pertains to Africa. We like to bring you just um, the sports stories um, that, um, that relates to Africa. We like to talk about our successes and even our struggling or challenging areas. Um, but all we do in Sports Africana is to bring what we do to the light so that everybody can know what's happening. Today promises to be exciting. And I'm gonna be talking about Egyptian football, Egyptian football. For anyone that has been a student of football, particularly African football over the years, you will know that you can't talk about African football. Uh, we're talking about the history or you're talking about the highlights of African football. One country you cannot leave out is Egypt. Um, they're a strong um, nation, um, a strong power, a strong force, and they got a very strong league, probably the best, if one of the best football leagues in Africa. Um, so we're going to be talking about all that today. Um, you can listen to our podcast on all the various podcast directory, such as Stitches, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many more. All you just need to do is type in Sports Africana, and it comes up. And you can visit our social media pages as well too, on, um, on all the various social media, such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in Sports Africana, and our details will come up. Right, um, talking to me today about um, Egyptian football, um, a son that is an Egyptian uh, and um, is is a is a, is a is an expert when it comes to um, Egyptian football is Ahmed El Ramadi. Ahmed, thanks for joining us on Sports Africana. Pleasure to be here. Right, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate um, you joining us on Sports Africana. You, you know, when I saw your name, Ahmed El Ramadi, it just reminded me of an Egyptian player that um, currently plays in um, Aston Villa, El Mohammadi. Actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sounds um, familiar. And um, yeah, and um, yeah. So Egyptian football, I, I will start from the beginning where I think I start from first. Um, in the 2000s, the Egyptian team dominated Africa, African football. From 2006 to yeah. 2008 to 2010, they won the African combinations back to back. Now, for you, it may not seem as a big deal, but for the rest of Africa that follows football quite well, majority of the players that featured for Egypt in that era played in the local league. Now, one yeah. particular player, one particular player that, that stands out for me, it's Mohammed Mohammed Abutrika, and I've always stated, I've said it, and I think a lot of Top African footballers have said it as well too. That maybe if he was playing in Europe, it would have been a top class. It would have been rated as a top class player. But obviously, because he played majority of his career in Egypt, he didn't get, in my opinion, he didn't get the kind of rating and recognition that I think he deserves. So, can you talk us through what makes that Egyptian team of that period, of that era, what makes them so special? Uh, uh, first of all, uh, as for 
you stated Abu Treka was one of the players who would have made it in Europe. He, uh, I think many, many predicted that he would have been. Um, I wouldn't say he would have been like as a, a much of a bigger star as uh, Mohamed Salah is at Liverpool, but um, he, I think he, he would have. I, yeah. I, honestly, I honestly think he would have if he had moved yeah. to. I yeah, think because he, he has that quality. He has that quality. And uh, I think it's a shame that he couldn't get a move to Europe because he would have really stood out because he, he's, he's different. He, he's different. He's a level above all players. And yeah, going back to the national team, I think that generation in particular, uh, they were very successful because they had not, not just the... The, like the starting 11, they, they had a very good bench as well. I mean, when you compare this generation, the current generation to the older one, I don't think, well, apart from Salah and maybe uh, Ahmed Hagazi, the centre-back who recently uh, left West Bromwich Albion, I think apart from these two players, none of, none of them, none of the other players can actually get a place in that team from 2006 to up to 2010. I don't think they, they won't even make the bench. So I think that that's the main difference that, that in terms of quality, in terms of attitude, the mentality as well. So, yeah, as I said, uh, the older generations, they just, uh, well, obviously they had a better coach. I think Hassan Shahata, he's, he's a guy who is a historic coach, no doubt, uh, to achieve the uh, African Cup of Nations uh, three times in a row. It's 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 an incredible achievement. I don't think any manager, well, maybe some managers can achieve that, but I don't think it will happen. It will happen anytime soon. So uh, I think that's the main difference. Having a, a good local Egyptian coach, I think that that's that that was also key because uh, I think with the previous manage, uh, managers right now, uh, Javier Aguirre from from Mexico and before him was Hector Cooper from Argentina. Mm -hmm. I think there was a clear lack of communication between uh, the players and the manager. Mm -hmm. Well, not to mention the problems of the pitch as well, because there were far too many problems of the pitch. Mm -hmm. I think these cause a huge distraction to the players. But uh, I think the main issue right now is the difference in quality and attitude. Right. But what amazed me about that squad, despite how much they were so dominant in Africa, they couldn't qualify for the 2010 World Cup. That's quite strange. I, I would have uh, thought that if they had had a taste of the World Cup, that particular squad, they would have represented Africa better. I mean, even though Ghana tried, got to the quarterfinals, almost to the semifinals, but the Egyptian team, that particular team of that era, was some sort of um, a top-class team that would have represented us well at um, South Africa 2010. 100%, 100%, I agree. And I think most fans uh, are actually very disappointed by the defeat to Algeria. I think that was the decisive match. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, that was... I think that's that was the only thing missing from this generation, just to uh, get a World Cup qualification, and we were very close in 2009. Uh, obviously under controversial circumstances because, the, again, <laughs> the problems of the pitch, yeah, they, they, they proved to be a, a huge distraction to the players. Mm. But other than that, other than that defeat, because 
because listen, football sometimes, sometimes you can be the best, but it doesn't work out for you. It, we've seen it happen to European teams before. Mm-hmm. You can be the better team and, and still lose. It, mm. it, it happens. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a shame that they couldn't qualify for the World Cup in the end. Right. Now, so now moving to, I would now like to talk about the Egyptian clubs. I mean, um, what is it that makes the Egyptian league so thick in terms of not just success, but in terms of how the football league is run? Now, I would like to know if most or if all the clubs are run privately or they are owned by state government, for example, in Nigeria, um, 80% of the pro professional league in Nigeria are owned by the state government. And we feel that these are sort of um, hindered the development. But when you look at cl- clubs in North Africa, um, in Morocco, in Tunisia, and um, Egypt, for example, and probably South Africa, but in this case, in Egypt, the clubs are run so professionally. So are this club owned privately? And can you let, let us know the level of financial investment in this club, clubs? Uh, yeah. Uh, as you said, like Nigeria, most clubs are, are uh, owned uh, by the government, which is... Uh, it, it kind of, it, it is a constraint. It's, it's a huge constraint because um, not too many clubs have the, have the necessary funds to make transfers to improve their size. Uh, many clubs actually share, do share stadiums. They don't have their own stadium. So... Uh, they did? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got maybe, um, I mean, the mid-table, the mid-table clubs... They do play at a uh, at a shared stadium. I think it's the um, I think it's the Petrosport Stadium in Cairo. Yeah. So, and, I, I mean, if I may come in there, so which clubs are the the biggest clubs that are very comfortable in Egypt? Uh, it's without a doubt Al Ahli, Zamalek, and we also have Pyramids who are on the rise right now. So these these three clubs, I would say, have the biggest biggest budgets. In, uh, in Egyptian football. Okay. What about Arab contractors? Arab contractors, uh, they're, they're not there yet. They're more, of a, um, they're more of a selling club. I think last season we've seen them under Ahmed Al-Nahas, the, the head coach, they've done brilliantly well. They've qualified for the uh, CAF Confederation Cup for the first time in 15 years. But uh, again, they're a club that uh, their transfer policy is a bit different because they sold... Uh, one of their best players, Tahir Muhammad, they sold him to Al Ali for around 40 to 60 million Egyptian pounds. It's a fee in that region. And they've done well, but in terms of their budget, they're just not up there yet with uh, Al Ahli, Zamalek, or even Pyramids. Right. So um, when, when we look at the Egyptian league generally, generally speaking, um, what is the highest salary that you can earn in Egypt because you read and I'm still going to come up to one other player very soon you realize that some some um, some club and Egyptian players they hardly leave Egypt to go and play in Europe so what is the highest salary that you can earn as an Egyptian player 
and the lowest you can earn in the top league? Um, salaries in Egyptian football in, in general are not, uh, unlike Europe, it's not something that's been disclosed publicly. So uh, it's very difficult to comment on that in, uh, to, uh, to, to comment on that topic in particular. But, um, but in terms of the highest wages, I think right now uh, you can say Ramadan Sobhi, uh, formerly uh, of Stoke City and Huddersfield Town, who's uh, recently joined permits. He joined them on a, I think, five-year deal. And he's set to earn around maybe about 200 million Egyptian pounds throughout these five years. So I think currently he's the highest earner in the league. 200 million Egyptian pounds? Over five years, yeah. Wow. That's quite a lot. So, um, okay, now I will now move to... I, I read an article recently, uh, well, on, on, I think it was on Friday, about, um, I'm sure you know him, Amir Zaki. He, yeah, yeah. He played. He played in Wigan. Um, that's another top class player, in my opinion. Yeah. Would, have, would have made it if he had his um, temper. If he had his um, attitude screwed on. Um, on, on, on four different occasions, he got to the training training late. He scored ten goals in the first half of the season, but um, because of his attitude, Wigan decided not to sign him on permanently. So why do you think that was the case? Why do you think um, Amezaki was like that? Was that was there a reason? But what, what do you think? Um, I think in general the older generation they just um, they struggle to fit abroad when because uh, it's not just Amezaki who who struggled. Uh, when you look at me, uh, Midu as well, Midu was had an incredible time at Tottenham Hotspur, but obviously when he moved on he. I won't. I won't say he he left on bad terms with with Spurs, but um, in general, the older generation they they just didn't do well in Europe, um, and mainly it was at attitude problems. I don't know why, to be honest, because on the pitch, these forwards were just brilliant. Because as I said, the older generation, you had three world class forwards in uh, Amrzaki, Mido. You also had Mohamed Zidane, Zidane who spent uh, who spent an incredible time at Borussia Dortmund, won the league twice. So these these three players, high caliber players, and when you compare them to uh, to the current generation, you don't you don't have a as good of a number nine as as you had back then. So uh, yeah, but going back to uh, what we were discussing now, in in terms of attitude. Uh, I think these players do regret what they did because when you obviously uh, remember Hossam uh, Ghali as well, he had a problem at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. He threw the shirt. Yeah. When he threw the shirt <laughs> on his final game. So I think it's, it's, it's just a problem that the players had to, uh, because not all of them had this, um, had this, right, had this right attitude abroad to understand instructions from coaches. Because mm. obviously when players do get subbed off, uh, they do get frustrated. It, 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 they become disappointed. But I mean, as a professional, they should, they should react better. And 
that that hasn't happened for Egyptian players, unfortunately. Right. And talking about the recent CAF Champions League, and for our listeners, the CAF Champions League is the equivalent of your UEFA Champions League. So the CAF Champions League is the biggest club competition in Africa. And last week, uh, we had two Egyptian teams in the finals. That's Al-Ali and Zamalek. Now, before we go into the final, I would like to find out from you, why did um, Al-Alil decided to go for the South African um, manager? Pizzo Mosi Mosimani. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it was a good choice by them because uh, when you look at uh, Rene Weiler, the Swiss manager who, who done brilliantly actually when he joined them back in September of last year, he guided the side to an unbeaten run in the league. He also led them to the semifinals of the competition. And he even beat Pizzo Masamani's uh, Mamelodi Sundowns in the, in the quarterfinals. So he, he done brilliantly well. But the, the problem is that he left in a, such a crucial time of the season because Al-Ali had the uh, Champions League and the Egypt Cup left to play. Okay. And then... Uh, Obviously, he left, but they, but they had the league wrapped up anyway. So, uh, but I think it was five match days be, be, before the season ended. So, by the time he left, he, he left at such a crucial time. So, I think Mosimani's recruitment was the smartest thing the club did because he's a very experienced coach, done, done extremely well with um, Sundowns in, in, in the last nine years. So... Again, when Mosamani arrived, he just, obviously he hasn't, we still haven't seen his team yet because he, he's only been two months in charge of the club, but um, he, he has instilled that confidence within the team because uh, again, uh, Rene Weiler left, he, he left like at such a crucial time of the season. But so that kind of, I wouldn't say created an unsettled atmosphere at the club, but yeah, Mosimani was there to, um, to because he, ha- he hasn't had much to change anyway, but he has instilled that confidence within the team. And we've seen that in the, in the CAF Champions League final and, and recently in the Egypt Cup yesterday because they, they won the treble this season. Wow. And Mosimani, um, um, just like you said, if you remember, he won the CAF Champions League with Memlodi Sundown. In 2016, yeah. 2016, they defeated Zamalek. So that probably um, still rings in the memory of um, of um, the Egyptian generally. So that, that that probably makes it a good choice. Now let's talk about the the Champions League final itself. Um, that's like a derby. Zamalek playing against Alalil. How was the final? Uh, an incredible game from both sides. You know, at times it was end to end. I think Al-Ahli were more confident in the opening minutes of the game. But after they scored, they scored in the fifth minute, they just sat too deep. And that allowed Zamalek to have possession. And Al-Ahli just kept inviting more pressure until Zamalek ga- grabbed the equalizer. And what a goal that was from uh, Sheikh Abela. Such a stunning solo effort that was. Um, he took out, what, four or five defenders maybe uh, with some lovely skill before he uh, curled the ball into uh, the far corner, gave El Shinawi no chance of saving that. 
But um, again, um, when they went on to the second half, I think Al-Ali still had the same approach. I mean, it wasn't their best game, to be honest. It, they, their front four were far from their best. Let's, let's just put it that way. Uh, when you look at Marwan Mohsen, the number nine, he just had, he had a shocking game, by the way. But um, Al-Ali, Al-Ali do have that experience to, to, overcome, to overcome such games and to win such big games. But whereas Zamalek, 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 they were good. They controlled the game, the majority of the game, by the way. But the problem is they lack that cutting edge in the final third. Um, and for that reason, I think Al-Ahli ultimately deserved the win. And they won the Egyptian Cup yesterday as well? The, sorry? You said they won the Egyptian Cup yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they did win the Egypt Cup yesterday. They won on penalties. It was against uh, Talai Al-Gish. Um, a mid-table side who they've had a good run under uh, the, the head coach, Tariq Al-Ashri. Who, by the way, uh, Talai Al Gage did uh, heading to the final. They eliminated both Pyramids and Zamalek heading to the final. So, so yeah, they, they did have a good run. And even yesterday, they did. Uh, I mean, they, they did hold up well against Al Ahli because um, up until the 92nd minute, they were a goal down. But then they 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 scored the equalizer in in stoppage time. So they sent the game to extra time. Mm. And they even managed to take the game to penalties with a man down. So um, they were a bit unfortunate because uh, they've had two of their penalties hitting the post. I think post and crossbar, I think. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, it, uh, it was just unfortunate for them. But yeah, again, Ahli are just way too dominant for them. Wow. So um, Al-Alil, uh, the, uh, the, they won the treble this season. Yeah, yeah, they did win the treble because they've got the pre- the Egyptian Premier League. Uh, they won the CAF Champions League, and yesterday they secured the Egypt Cup. So that yeah, that that completes the treble, and and it it does wrap up an incredible season for them because I know I know Pizzo Mosamani will get all the credits right now for for mm-hmm. all the for all the hard work, but he's only been two months in charge. Mm-hmm. I think the the most of the hard work has been done by. Uh, by René Weiler, the, the, the Swiss coach. Not to take anything away from Mosamani, but we're yet to see his team, his, his real team. Mm. He's obviously got a summer transfer window to uh, either to clear out or ship players and to bring in his own players. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it remains to be seen what he does next season. And just to be sure, Zamalek got relegated to the second division. Zamalek? The day? I'm just looking at the table now. I don't know if, if that's true. I'm, I'm looking at the table. Um, it says Tahi El Gaish, Wedi Delga, and Zamalek. Oh, actually, sorry, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. I'm looking yeah. at the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking, why are Zamalek relegated? They finished second. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking season. at the wrong thing. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Another thing that um, now this is from a Nigerian perspective. It's given a lot of Nigerians some concern, and it's given me some concern as well. There is this particular player that plays for Alalil, Junior Ajayi. Yeah. Uh, 
Junior Ajayi was invited to the national team in 2017 to a friendly game. And the current coach of Nigeria, Gennath Raw, only brought him in three, four minutes to the end of the game. It was in London. I was there. And since then, he's not been invited. And someone told me that when, during, um, during the Africa Cup of Nations that Egypt hosted, the last one, that they spoke to some Egyptians and they were saying that Junior Ajayi is highly rated in, in, in Egypt. So in your opinion, do you think he should be playing in the national team, Junior Ajayi? I think he should. I think he should, but um, I think his form, he hasn't been he hasn't been at his best lately, far from his standards, in my opinion. Because when you look at that, uh, and I will refer to the uh, to the Champions League final, uh, which was uh, more than a week ago. Because during that final, um, Ajay started on playing on the left wing, and we haven't seen much of him, to be honest. And it, it's not just him, it's, it's the front four in general. But there was one time where we've seen the front four combined together. It was uh, Ajayi who actually played a beautiful through ball to uh, Ali Malul, the left back, who then laid it off to uh, Hussein al Shahat, who missed an open net, by the way, which a very strange miss. But uh, that one time, that, that pass from Junior Ajayi, in my opinion, I think that's why he is he's a quality player. But, but, but the problem is he... He has to do that more often. He has to get in these positions more often. But other than that, I think he's he's a good player and he, we will see more of him next season. And he should be playing the national team, you think? I think he should be playing on the national team. Because right now, who is occupying that left-hand side for, for Nigeria? I mean, we we have quite a number of players on, on the wings. We don't have a problem in that area. But I think what a lot of um, people are saying is Give this guy a chance. He's doing very well in Egypt. You he know? should get a chance. Uh, I know Nigeria have great wingers. We uh, obviously Alex Iwobi, who's yeah. at Everton right now. Uh, Chakwezi, who plays for um, Villarreal. Villarreal. Yeah. So uh, these these are incredible players. But I I think I think Iwobi is not settled on a position because with Arsenal sometimes he played on the left, sometimes he played on the right. Uh, Chakwezi plays. Also, as another player who, who sometimes plays on the left and and sometimes plays on the right. So um, I think with Ajayi, you get a player that consistently plays on that left-hand side. So, so yeah, I, I think he's well. Obviously, he, he's going he's going to improve. So I think he should get a chance with the national team. That's good. And so, um, so with Alalil within the um, treble this season, I'm sure they will be looking forward to probably um, remain dominant next season. Obviously, the, the pandemic, um, the, co- the coronavirus have affected football. But next mm-hmm. season, I'm sure they'll be looking to improve. Well, I don't know what, what is there to improve, to be honest. <laughs> because they, they, ha- they have so much to improve, uh, to be honest. <laughs> yeah? They, yeah, they still have so much to improve. I think, uh, as I referred to their number nine, for example, uh, that's someone who they, they should move on from, to, in my opinion. I think most fans will agree with me when I say that because he is far, far from being um, 
he's he's just not good enough for Al Ahly in my opinion, and most fans would agree with what I say because when you compare him to um, to strikers from older generations, to Ahmed Mitab, who was also part of the national team from 2006. Um, when you compare him to Ahmed Mitab, when you compare him to uh, Angola's uh, Flavio, these these are all forwards that that were just so good. They they contributed to so much aspects of the of the game. Mm. With with Marwan Mohsen, he it's come to a point where he just. He just doesn't do the basics right anymore. His his hold-up play is poor. His finishing is poor. And to be honest, at that level, you need a world-class striker that can just convert chances straight away. Mm. Oh, thank you very much, um, Hakmat. And thanks for your perspective on Egyptian football. I'm still going to be speaking to you more um, every now and then um, to get your comments on any um, development um, regarding Egyptian football. And um, that's it. Um, you've heard Ahmed um, El Ramadi, an Egyptian football expert, who has um, given us or shed light on Egyptian football generally and the league as it is structured at the moment. And um, until we come here again, um, have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Thank you.